0: Years ago, I gave a sermon on the intentional will of God. And then I followed up with the circumstantial will of God. And then I followed up with the ultimate will of God. So God has an intentional will for us, and then circumstances always get involved. And when circumstances get involved, then sometimes we wonder what's going to happen, but then God's ultimate will always seems to work in. Uh, this morning I want to make it a lot simpler. I'm going to be speaking about God's will in your life. And how does look how does God look at his will concerning us on a day-to-day basis? Um, I'm not getting into the mind of God or because I don't understand the mind of God, so I'm not going there. I'm not going to take a, a group of scriptures and and somehow interpret them as this is what God wants for us in our lives. Um, is all I want to do this morning is to to teach us what what God is concerned about according to His will. And so I'm going to start with Romans 12, 1 and 2. And here it says, <clears throat> therefore, I urge you, brethren and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Um, Paul here is, he's he's, he's telling us a couple of things. He's urging us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Uh, He uses a tense that means it's something you do once. And then you spend the rest of your life with the realization that this is true. And then you are to recognize that every day of your life that God is living in you and through you. Now, Paul is the one that teaches us that the body is the seat, what he calls the flesh. That's where temptation comes. That's where The antagonistic uh, nature within us that does not like what God likes, that does not want necessarily what God wants. It's that source of temptation. And yet the Bible says, and this is what God wants. I could hear the average Christian saying, what? What does God want with my body? I don't even like my body. It has B.O., it snores, it's got all sorts of problems. It's got heart problems, it's got a dirty mind. And then to think that the Lord is asking us to give us his body, give us, give us our bodies to him. It seems almost crazy in a way, Because this body is always tripping us up. It's always causing us problems. Now, if God said, give me your spirit, well, he has that. He gave us a new spirit, but that would make sense. Dedicate your spirit to me, that would make sense. Because my spirit is complete. My spirit is perfect. But yet God is saying, Sacrifice your bodies to me. Give me your bodies as a living sacrifice. Bring your body with all of its problems. With all of its temptations. Bring it just the way it is. And then the Bible says, this is your logical worship. And I think, really? This is your logical worship. But what God is saying is you come just the way you are. You come and you start with me. You cannot handle all the problems that you're facing by yourself. You need to start with me. If you use your body for yourself, you will misuse it. You will abuse it and will use it for things that God never intended for you to use it for. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, the Bible says, It is God's will, it is God's will that you should be holy, that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual in morality, So the Bible makes it very plain what his will is here. His will is that you sacrifice, you, you, you give me your body as a living sacrifice and you abstain from sexual immorality. Now, God says that if you give me your body, I will use it. If you give me your body, I will use it wherever you go to bring you peace, to give you joy, to heal your hurt, and to show love, healing, and grace. Then he says that I will bring it under control. Now when you stop and think about that, That God says that if you bring me your body as a living sacrifice, I will bring it under control. Well, what does God mean by that? Because all of our difficulties, or most of our difficulties, are caused from our body. We abuse it and misuse it on a daily basis almost. He says, I will do that, I will bring it under control, but I want you to do two things. Two things that he asks you. He's asking you, one, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Now, what does that mean? It literally means to the schemes of this world. Now, it's the philosophy of life that surrounds us. The spirit of the age is the same. It never changes from one generation to another generation. It's the advancement of self. If the advancement of self is the basis for our life, then the goal of life seems to be everyone trying to find personal happiness. And what happens there? We get ahead. Trying to get ahead. That's what our focus is. Grabbing what's mine before someone else gets it. It's putting yourself first, not Christ, not your family, not your job. It seems like it's all about you. It's hanging on to everything that you have, no matter what it costs in terms of hurt and pain to someone else. So he says, do not follow. He says, these two commitments you make when you present your body as a living sacrifice, you you do not follow the patterns of this world. And then two, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The mind of Christ says the reason for living is not to advance self but to serve God. Renewing your mind is seeing your life as God sees it. And for the past two months now, I have emphasized that we need to see ourselves the way God sees us. God sees us as a child of God. We believe, according to scripture, That Christ lives in us and through us. You are complete in him, the Bible says. I know some don't feel complete and I don't at times either. But the Bible says that you have been made perfect. This is what God says about you. Years ago, many years ago, before I even started understanding what the whole element of grace really was. I used to preach a sermon on law and grace and I would tenderly, gently mix the two together and come out with something I thought was profound. And it was just bringing people under bondage. And I didn't really realize it at the time. But we are to look at the way God sees us and he sees us as his child. He sees us as being perfect. He sees us. He loves us just the way we are. And now he's promised us that if you will bring your body. What does that mean? It means it, it, we come to the place and say, okay, Lord, I don't like my body. I don't like the way it looks. I don't like the way it acts. I don't like my body at all. You want it. You've got it. You've got it. You can take it. When we say that, God says, if you will not follow the patterns of the world, if you will think about your life, if you will will let me transform you, if you will let me renew your mind, you will find that your whole existence in Christ is going to change. Now, in Hebrews 13, 20 and 21 says this May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. Now listen what the Bible says. He says that he you will be equipped, he'll equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom the glory forever and ever. God is saying, I will stage for you all that you need is all I want you to do is walk in it. So what does he mean that he prepares, he prepares our day, he prepares our walk. What does that really mean to you? To me, it means that when I get up in the morning and I go down to the post office, it's important for me to treat that postmaster the way that God would treat her. When I go to the gym, when I help out a farmer, it's important that I help out. I give it a 100%. Because I am representing Christ. And he will prepare the way. I don't have to look for something, somebody to witness to. Years ago, and I, me- and I mentioned to you before, when I was on that four spiritual laws thing with Bill Bright, and um, <clears throat> I didn't want the sun to go down <clears throat> until I told somebody about Christ. So, <clears throat> when the sun was going down and I hadn't, I'd find somebody. I'd pull into the service station or something. And I'd get out of my car and I'd have this four spiritual laws. I said, excuse me. I said, have you ever heard of this four spiritual laws? No, what do you, no. Uh, well, <clears throat> have you ever wondered what would happen to you if you would die? Whether you'd go to heaven or hell? And then of course that threw threw up a sign right there. Who is this kook? You know? And, and and so then I would go through my presentation and then I would get back in my car and say, oh, got that done for the day. That is not living in Christ. That is not representing Christ. That is just feeding yourself to try to please God and try to have God pleased with you. And that's not what it's all about. But he stages our life. Even if if all we do is stay home, he stages our life for that day. We're not trying to eventually arrive at some higher level with God. That's not what it's all about. God has formed us exactly the way he wanted us. Now, we have to come to believe that. Are we convinced that he wanted us to be here in front royal at this time, at this exact hour? Yes. We believe that. We believe that God is in control of our lives. What caused us to believe it? Well, we all started with knowing or understanding that we are loved by God, that we are complete in Him, that Jesus taught us that our efforts were not to be focusing on sinning, but on loving others. And by loving others, we cannot help but sin less. Christ lives in you and works through you in everything you do. It's your attitude. It's all about believing God. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, the Bible is very plain. If there was just one text that we would use to try to find out God's will, this would be the text. The Bible says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Anybody who wants to know what God's will is, is found in this scripture. He wants you to rejoice always. He wants you to pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for You in Christ Jesus. Well, what is this rejoicing? Rejoicing is simply going, "Wow, this is great! This is wonderful!" When I got up this morning and I looked out my window there and I saw the mountain and I saw the fog and I saw the rain, I could, I thought to myself, "Wow, this is something! This is amazing!" It's beautiful. And then when I got out in it, for some reason I wasn't thinking this was so amazing. It was good when I was looking at it. But then I thought, oh, this is going to be a problem. But the Bible tells us that we are to rejoice always. Pray continually. Pray without ceasing. How does one pray without ceasing? Pray is an adi- prayer is an attitude. It's an attitude of gratefulness. You know, sometimes, and I'm sure that we're all, we're all the same, sometimes you get up in the morning, and I, in fact, almost every morning, I wake up and I say, good morning, Lord. This is the day that you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. So that's the way I start my day. And then as I go through my day, I I, I just look at things differently. I say, man, that is so beautiful. That is so wonderful. God is so great. God is so good to me. It's an attitude of rejoicing. It's an attitude of praying. It's an attitude of giving thanks. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for living inside of me. Thank you, Lord, for working through me. Thank you, Lord, for everything. And it doesn't make any difference what it is. We can be thankful for it. You have heard you should live for Christ. I don't know how many times I heard that as a a new Christian. You need to live for Christ. But that's not it. Once you understand the exchange life of Christ, in reality, you're living from Christ. Not for Christ. You're living from Christ because Christ is dwelling in you. Christ is living in you. And so you're living from Christ. You are equipped, the Bible says, to handle all those daily choices in life. You know, when we think of God's will, we think of oftentimes of the house that we live in, the, the who to marry, uh, um, what kind of job, uh, what kind of job we should take and everything. Is this God's will for my life? Is this God's, is this woman God's will for my life? Um, yes, we we seem to think that we want to find God's will in every in every little way. But that's not the issue. The issue is not finding a wife to to be God's will or anything. God's given us wisdom. And and the Bible tells us we should pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom to know what we should do. When it comes to buying a house, yeah, it's wisdom to check out what the mortgage might be before you buy the house. it's the same thing even in a, in a relationship um, for a wife or a husband. A, a person needs to use wisdom. It could be that this person is a brand new Christian. And that could blow up a flag. It, that it, it could be that this, this wife, she wants five children. And this man, he, he doesn't want any. Um, so, I mean, there's things to discuss. I, I, there's a, um, a fellow that recently called me and asked me if I would uh, perform his wedding in September. And I said, well, sure. I said, I can do that. But I said, there are things that I have to go through before I could do that. I have to go through some counseling sessions. And I have to cover everything. Everything. Um, it's not that it's there to change their mind or anything else. It's just there to make a person aware of what they could possibly be facing. God has given us wisdom. Um, I haven't, I don't know how many marriages I've performed. And every one of those marriages I have asked, do you believe that this person is the person that God wants you to have. Oh, yes, yes. Every person believes that going to the altar. But 53% of all marriages end up in the divorce, even in the Christian camp. God gives us wisdom to handle life. And sometimes it gets overwhelming. But he gives us wisdom to do that. He gives us an opportunity to make a choice. So what is God's will? What is God's will when you make a mistake? You remember one thing that the Bible says. All things work for good for those who love God. If you make a mistake, God can take that mistake and turn it around and work it for good. We need to remember that. Every time we're faced with a decision. Sometimes I've said, you know, you can't make a bad decision. If you make a bad decision and you do it with, through prayer and wisdom that you feel that God has given to you and it turns out bad, it's going to turn out right. God's going to turn it around. All things work for good for those who love God. So what is God's will? Well, God's will is that you present your body a living sacrifice. God's will is that you trust him. God's will is that you rejoice always. That you give thanks always. That you pray always. 2 Peter 3.9 God's will for everyone is recorded here. 2 Peter 3.9 The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understood slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So, God is very clear. His will is that he would like everyone to be saved. Now, is everybody going to be saved? No, no, because he's given us a choice. He will not save anyone Who does not want to be saved? I've often said that if God all of a sudden would just change all the rules and just say, okay, everybody in, he'd have a multitude of people that would not be happy in heaven. And so he's not going to force anyone, but he's going to give the invitation to everyone. Some have thought that God chooses some and not others. That's why we have predestination, the doctrine of election. Some folks believe that God chooses some and not the others. But according to this text, it blows that theory to pieces. He not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Ephesians 5, 15 and 17. The Bible says here, be careful then. How you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I know that some teach that you have to find God's will. And then once you find it, you've got to listen to God. And if there's sin in your life, then you might not be listening to God. And so you might not be in his will. And so if you're not in his will, where are you? Well, you're out of his will. So if you're out of his will, where does that put you? I mean, it doesn't really make sense. When, when you accept Christ and you're born again and you're born with a new spirit, a new human spirit, and just because you made a decision, you're out, that doesn't make any sense at all because it's not true. And then you hear that you have to get back on track. I've heard hello evangelist and i'm ashamed to say it but i've heard some of those fellows indicate that just because you have made a wrong decision you're not only out of god's will but you have to get back into god's will somehow and by getting back into god's will some even went so far as you need to be rebaptized you need to rededicate your life to christ and I noticed that there, when I was visiting all these churches in West Virginia, uh, they would have altar calls every week, and the same people would come forward, time after time, rededicating their life. If no one would come in to come up to accept Christ as their Savior, then he'd have them come up to rededicate it. And I would watch well I went to this one church like six times, and the same people came forward each time. And I thought to myself, that must be terrible to feel that way, to feel that God hasn't accepted you and that you need to go rededicate your life to him, that you need to say yes to him. When you said yes to him, that was good good enough for him. In the very first place, when you were nine, ten years old, that was good enough for him. And then he promised he would never leave you nor forsake you, be with you always. It's not about making right choices to be right with God. You are born again. You are born of God. You're born of the Spirit. And you are right. You are righteous by birth. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you became righteous. And that's the way God sees you because that's really who you are. So what is God's will for your life? Well, God's will is for, that, for you to enjoy your salvation. That you be excited that you're saved. That you be excited that God has come in and dwelled and made a home in you. And he's there to guide you and to lead you through no matter what. What you're going through. What you're going through is not the issue because God is there to see you through it. And He'll give you wisdom too. What is God's will for you? To present your bodies to Him. And the Bible says that this is the way you worship God, it's the way that you live. You come to church and we worship God. But for six days out of the week, you worship God every day, and you worship Him by and through your bodies. It's the way that you treat people. It's the way that you are in your own home, with your own spouse, with your own children, with your own family members, your relatives and all. He's equipped you. He's already equipped you to represent him in every aspect of your life. You are equipped to do that. No matter who you meet, no matter who you talk to, whether it's a business contact, whether it's in the school system, it doesn't make any difference where it is. Every person you come in contact with, God has staged it for you to represent him in the way that you even say hello. What is God's will for your life? To have the attitude of rejoicing, giving thanks in everything, and praying about everything. That's God's will for you. That's God's will for me. To be excited about what God has done. To give thanks in everything. It doesn't make any difference what it is. I know there are times when we don't feel like it. It's pretty hard to have your wife pass away and you give thanks to God for her passing. It's very, very difficult. It's very difficult to go through a divorce and to thank God that you went through that divorce. It's very difficult to bury a child and say, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to bury my child. It's very difficult. But God says that we are to rejoice. We are to rejoice always. We are to give thanks always. We are to praise him always. It is God's will that you know and understand that Christ lives in you and he lives through you. That is God's will. It's not complicated. It's not about houses and marriages and anything else. God's will is very simple. His will is that you have salvation and we all have it. will is that he would equip us all and he has. We just don't sense it or feel it or maybe we don't even understand it but he says that he equips us. It's God's will that we have the attitude of Christ and what's the attitude of Christ? It's rejoicing it's giving thanks and it's praying without ceasing knowing and understand that Christ lives in us is our hope, is our glory, is our future, day by day, every day of our life, until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the blessings that you have given to us. We're thankful for the understanding that you have made so clear. We're thankful that you have offered to take these bodies of ours and bring them under control. We're thankful too, Lord, that we have an opportunity to depend upon you and to believe you and to trust that that is true, what you say. So I pray that you'll meet the needs of each one of us here this morning. We're all different. We're all facing different issues. We all face different problems. But we take those problems and we lay them on the altar. And we trust that you have equipped us. We trust that you are living through us. And we trust that all things will work for good. Because we trust you. And because we love you. Bless us now, I pray. For we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.